Today we are talking about acceptance. Acceptance of our kids who have special needs, autism, epilepsy, neurological disorders. How can you go from thinking life was going to be one way to now being totally turned upside down and you don't even know how to survive the day? You thought the biggest stress was going to be how you might afford college when they graduated high school. And now you're wondering how you can manage meltdowns and what drug to give your kid and if you can afford therapy and what might happen to your kid if something happens to you. So how do you accept this life? How do you accept that your kid just got dealt a bad set of cards? In today's episode, we will talk about why it's so hard to come to acceptance, what acceptance looks like, what happens if we never get to this stage, and what happens when we do. I'm going to be sharing a lot of stories and examples, so stay with me. This is going to be a good one. Welcome to Accepting the Unacceptable, a podcast for parents raising children with neurological differences. My five-year-old daughter, Remy, has autism and epilepsy, and while this hasn't been the easiest road, it's a road with more wonder and adventure than I could have ever imagined. I'm here to give you encouragement and share wisdom and stories to help you along in your own journey. Because let's face it, this parenting thing is not easy. I'm your host, Jody Warshawski, a wife, a mother of four, and a gal just trying to figure all this stuff out. Thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the show. When someone is processing through or dealing with the severe medical emergency that come with their kids on the spectrum or with epilepsy, it's really common for people to tell us that we're super moms or tell us that we're really strong. Their sentiment is to empower us, to make us feel strong and confident, but what it really does is it isolates you. The person saying, I don't know how you do it, and I could never handle what you're going through. It's said with good intention, but for us, we're just scared and freaked out and totally unprepared. Words like this just solidify that we are alone. Part of this makes us realize that we aren't invited to the normal groups of moms anymore. We got kicked out of that club. Now we are flapping around trying to survive, and since we are super moms, we feel even worse about ourselves because we know that we can never really live up to that label. We're trying to make the best decisions for our kids, and at the same time, trying to manage behaviors and learn how to teach them. We are busy learning and dealing with insurance companies and doctors and specialists, and if we have any other kids... We're trying to make sure that they get attention too. If we're working parents, we have to find childcare that's capable of taking care of our kids and childcare that's trustworthy. We hope we don't get fired or we hope we don't get demoted because our focus isn't there and we've taken so much time off work. But then if we're stay-at-home parents, We desperately dream of a break or just some time to ourselves, 
But if we ever get that time alone, it's spent researching and making appointments and scheduling all the stuff. We wish we could work. We need the money and also the break, but we don't trust anybody to take care of our kids or we can't afford it. Then there are our kids. We watch them not develop the way that we know they should. We worry they will never catch up and we worry about their adulthood and if we're going to have to be taking care of them forever. We worry about them making friends or having any sort of a normal childhood. We're so in love with our kids, but at the same time resent their disorder because it makes them different and it makes them suffer and it makes life hard. You don't feel like you're equipped for the job. So with all of this stress, it's no wonder that this is a recipe for anger and denial and depression. It's a recipe for grieving. And when I say the word acceptance, There's a part of you that wishes that you could accept this, but another part of you that's like, hell no, I will never accept this. No child should live like this, and I would never condone it for anyone, let alone my child. Now, the reason why I'm doing this episode and the reason why I'm even doing this show is because my entire perspective and view has shifted when I got to the point of acceptance. And I want that for every single parent raising a child with autism or epilepsy or any sort of special needs. If this is your first show, thanks for joining me. I'm Jody, by the way. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, I will do my best to give you the insights that I have on parenting kids on the spectrum and with epilepsy. And, um, you know, I still have a lot to learn, too, but I hope that you can learn from my experience. And I wanted to do this episode because I feel like a lot of parents are in the same boat. For me, on the outside, I was doing all the right things. I was seeking out the best medical team and getting all the services and taking classes and doing research and developing friendships with other moms in the same boat. The outside looked like I was strong and had it all together but everything else was falling apart. I remember when we got Remy's autism diagnosis. I'd already had a good idea about autism, but not knowing anything really about it, I had to learn. So Google was my friend, of course. I found myself Googling curing autism and diets to reverse autism. I started searching for articles that would tell me that there are people in this world with autism and you would never know. Like, maybe autism could be our little secret and if I got Remy enough therapy and enough services that we could kind of just erase it and act like it never happened. And when Remy started having seizures, I thought that it was so horrible that there was no way that this was going to be a lifelong issue. I thought the only thing we needed to do was get her on the right medication, and even if it didn't cure her, it would surely make the seizures not part of our world, and we could just give her a pill and move on. But when I realized that autism and epilepsy weren't something that we could just quickly fix, I started to worry about the worst-case scenarios. I saw people who had hundreds of seizures a day, 
And I saw people who spent their lives in hospitals. I saw people with autism who couldn't walk or talk and had to be pushed around in wheelchairs and wear helmets because of self-harm. So the only thing that I could do was fight, fight and resist every part of it. I was going to protest God and like make signs that said no one should have these diseases and this is unacceptable. But then I realized what good does that really do? The war against this and the war against that, it always leads to devastation on both sides. And so if that's the case, if resistance and the war against autism and the war against epilepsy leads to devastation, then my not accepting it could be making everything worse. So because I didn't accept it in the beginning, where did that leave me? Well, it left me depressed and angry and hopeless. I resented epilepsy and I resented autism and I even resented being a mom altogether. I didn't have the answers and no one I met had them either. So what is acceptance and why is it part of the grieving process? Acceptance is the last stage of the grieving process, but that doesn't mean that everyone who grieves gets to this stage. If you take any one of the stages of grief, people can stay there forever. Have you ever met that person who's always angry about everything? They are defensive and blame everyone and everything for why their life sucks and how they deserve this and how they deserve that. This person who blames the government about their financial problems or the food industry about their health problems the neighbor's yard about why their house didn't sell. It's always someone else's fault and they are always the victim. Or have you ever met that person who is in such denial about something that they could have a 20-pound tumor on their nose and they would be like, what tumor? Or the person who gets lung cancer after smoking two packs of cigarettes for 30 years and says that their cancer has nothing to do with the fact that they're a cigarette smoker. Have you ever met that person who becomes so isolated because they're depressed that they're just kind of locked away in their house and never come out? That's kind of an extreme example, but for me, I used to have neighbors like that. There was a husband and wife. They lived next door, and they were so depressed and isolated that in about the 15 years that I lived next door to them, I only saw them about four times. I remember my grandma telling me that before I was born, our neighbors were active and vibrant in the community and that the husband was even a DJ at the radio station. But as long as I was alive, they were so depressed that they became recluse. I never did find out what happened to them to cause that, but it was really sad. I imagine that they suffered some sort of tragedy or illness, whatever tragedy that happened threw them into such despair that they were just never able to recover from it. I remember when the couple died years later, when they went to go clean out their house, there was so much mold and water damage, and they had hoarded themselves into a tiny area of their home. 
The entire house had to be gutted and practically rebuilt. All the neighbors tried to help them, like mowing their lawn or going grocery shopping, but they were never receptive to any of it. But anyway, just because you have a child with special needs, just because you have gone through the other stages of grief, does not guarantee that you're going to get to the acceptance phase. We all know those stories about the parents that never accepted that their child was different. You hear it all the time in the gay community. Parents will try to make their kids straight or disown them for being gay or not tell anybody that their child is gay. Same thing with having a child with autism or epilepsy or special needs. But since we're on the subject of homosexuality, look at the difference in the people whose parents were totally accepting of them being homosexual And look at the people whose parents never accepted it. For the people who grew up in a home where their parents accepted them from the very beginning, who embraced them and was proud of them for being brave enough to be themselves, those are the people who tend to be more confident, more courageous, and have a high sense of self-worth. The people who have been shamed and disowned and denied and repressed for their sexuality tend to be ashamed and shut down and have a higher rate of depression and suicide. They tend to wonder what is wrong with them and why did God have to make them different? Now, of course, this doesn't mean that everyone who grew up in a home where their parents didn't accept them end up depressed or withdrawn, but there's a much higher chance of that happening. And you can apply that to a child that has autism or epilepsy. For the parents who can accept their child's diagnosis, their children have a better chance of thriving than if their parents were constantly in denial or angry or dismissive of their condition. Now, what I'm not saying is that the kiddos who are more dependent or need much more help to function on their own, I'm not saying that it's because their parents didn't accept them. Please don't confuse what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that If you want your child to be their best, whatever that looks like, the first step is to take them exactly how they are. If they have autism, accept that they have autism and love their quirks. If they have epilepsy, accept that they have epilepsy. I'm not saying that if they have epilepsy that you don't treat their seizures and just sit around passively not doing anything. I'm not saying that someone with autism, you should just let them figure out life the way that they are. No, people with autism need help. People with epilepsy need help. But helping in a state of resistance and resentment is much different than helping with acceptance and unconditional love. In the book, A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, he describes acceptance as not minding what happens. This is what he says. When I don't mind what happens, what does that imply? It implies that internally I'm in alignment with what happens. What happens, of course, refers to the suchness of this moment, which already is as it is. It refers to content the form that is this moment, the only moment there ever is. In our case, the form that this moment takes is that our child has autism or epilepsy. 
To be in alignment with what is means to be in a relationship of inner non-resistance with what happens. It means not to label it mentally as good or bad, like having epilepsy isn't good or bad, but to let it be. Does this mean that you no longer take action to bring about change in your life? On the contrary, when the basis for your action is inner alignment with the present moment or acceptance of your child's condition, your actions become empowered by the intelligence of life itself. So, what the F does that mean? Well, it means that if you come to a place of acceptance, if you accept that your child has a seizure disorder, or if you accept that your child is going to be different, if you accept that they are going to have to learn a whole new set of skills, then whatever action you take will be fueled by the power of acceptance. Your actions and outcomes will have a certain power to them. So let's talk about the opposite of acceptance. In the book, Eckhart Tolle describes resistance like this. Resistance is an inner contraction. You are closed. Whatever action you take in a state of inner resistance, which we could call negativity, resentment, anger, denial, bargaining, will create more outer resistance. And the universe will not be on our side. Life will not be helpful. If the shutters are closed, the sunlight cannot come in. When you yield internally, when you surrender, a new dimension of consciousness opens up. If action is possible or necessary, your action will be in alignment with the whole and supported by the creative intelligence, the unconditioned consciousness, which in a state of inner openness you become one with. Circumstances and people then become helpful and cooperative. Coincidences happen, and if no action is possible, you rest in peace and inner stillness that come with surrender. You rest in God. Okay, so what the F does that mean? It means that if you have a war going on in your soul about the fact that your child isn't the way that you always dreamed they would be, or you're bitter because you are in the hospital again instead of Sally's birthday party with the normal families, you are in a state of resistance. When you are in a state of resistance, you can't allow anything really helpful or good to come in because the shutters are closed. The light can't come in. In other words, nothing goes right. Everything is not on your side. You can't get anyone to cooperate and be helpful when that's really what your child needs. People always tell me that we are so blessed to have the support team around Remy that we have, and I completely agree. And I believe the reason that we have such an amazing support team is because we all have this inner alignment and acceptance to Remy having PCDH19. And what I mean by this is the world is on our side. The universe is on our side. The ABA company that we have is made up of a group of people who deeply care about people with autism. There's so many companies out there who are just out for a profit. 
but the company that we have for Remy, they're not. It's really their life's work to learn and teach with love and to create a learning environment that is fun and supports her growth. That is why Remy loves ABA. Remy's neurologist is one of the best in the world, and he has a lot of patients with PCDH19. And so his life's mission is to love the kids with epilepsy and do whatever he can to make them have the best life they can have. Remy has a school teacher who is so in tune with autism, she is not worried about Remy whatsoever. And she treats Remy like her equal. So Remy has no choice but to thrive and be the very best that she can be because her teacher lifts her up. Remy has babysitters and they love her so much that they would put their life on the line to make sure that Remy is taken care of and has the best care that any kid could have. And then our family, Remy's family, her cousin, her uncles, her aunts, her her brothers, her grandparents, they lift her up so much and they adore her and would do anything for her. They all have researched and studied what life is like for Remy so that they can better understand her. We as a family are connected to other incredible families that are going through the same thing. And that support system, they offer their support and their guidance and advice 24 hours a day. And then there's you guys. There's you guys as a community who pray for Remy and lift us up and give us encouragement and ask questions about Remy. It's so incredible and we are so blessed that I don't really worry about Remy's future. I don't know what life is going to look like for her, but I know it's going to be okay because the universe is on her side. So how did I get to this point? How did I get here? What led me into this acceptance that I speak of? On the last episode, I talked about depression and how it was for me. I talked about how Remy had just received an autism diagnosis. She wasn't able to speak. Her behavior was so bad, we didn't even want to take her anywhere. And she was having seizure clusters on a weekly basis. I was tired. I was sad and angry and depressed, and I had no hope. I thought that planning a great vacation would give our family much needed rest and relaxation and it would give a little joy in our life since everything around us was so grim. When we did end up taking the trip, I realized that I was depressed and even though I had created on the outside a perfect scenario for joy and happiness, my insides were tormented and miserable. I realized that I couldn't be happy on a beautiful vacation, and what that meant is there was nowhere I could go that would bring me happiness. It was then that I decided to seek a way out of my depression. I knew that Remy's condition wasn't going to go away, and I had to find a way to make peace with PCDH19. I had to find a way to accept it. And what you seek, you shall find. I came across a book, A New Earth, and that's the one that I've been talking about. 
I learned from the book that our purpose in life is to bring consciousness into this world with the gifts and talents that everybody is endowed with. This confused me because I couldn't get it out of my mind how God could be so cruel to let Remy have epilepsy, how God could think that autism was going to be beneficial in her life, and how was she supposed to fulfill her purpose with these ailments? How could I find purpose in my life when our life consisted of rescue medications and hospital stays? How could we live a normal life when Remy can't even communicate and her behavior is out of control? This didn't make any sense to me. But then I read in the book, life will give you whatever experience is most helpful for the evolution of your consciousness. How do you know this is the experience you need? Because this is the experience you are having right now. So you're telling me that Remy having these horrific seizures and autism that obviously is impairing her quality of life is the experience that I need? It's the experience that Remy needs? Well, the answer is yes, it is. And how do I know? Because the horrific seizures and the autism diagnosis is what's happening right now. This sentence is what got me to switch gears. So if this is the experience I need to have for the evolution of my consciousness, then how do I get over the fact that our lives, my life, Remy's life, have been turned upside down? This was when it came to me, not in the form of words or voices, but in a realization, an aha moment, an epiphany. I have to let this go. I have to let go of my victim story. I have to let go of my own ideas of what Remy's life should look like. I have to let go of my anger and my jealousy and resentment towards epilepsy and autism. I have to let go of trying to control how this plays out. I have to let go of the regret and shame and the times that I was offended. I have to let go of being right and needing all the answers. I have to let go of the idea of the child I thought I was going to have, the child I should have had. I had to let go of what society deemed a worthy life. I had to let go of all of my beliefs and understanding. I had to accept that even though I wouldn't choose a life for my child that includes seizure drugs and being nonverbal and us having to carry oxygen tanks everywhere we go, I needed to accept that it is what it is. Nothing more and nothing less. It is what it is. This phrase was ingrained in my soul. I remember the instant that this realization came over me. All the anxiety and angst that I had for the past three years had disappeared. The world made sense, and Remy's disorder all of a sudden wasn't the worst thing that could ever happen. It was, for the first time, the doorway into Remy's purpose in this world. The doorway into my purpose in this world. It is 
in her condition that consciousness can come through into this world? How can you hate the vehicle in which consciousness comes through? It was this day that my perspective completely shifted. I knew that Remy wasn't going to wake up cured, so it then became my practice to look at her condition as a way to learn about life, a way to understand what we know about autism, what we know about epilepsy, and what we know, it barely scratches the surface. But there's purpose in it. Does that mean that I don't want a cure for her? No. Sure, let's give her a cure. But am I going to wait on a cure to have peace? No way. So did that get a little woo-woo for you? (laughs) So switching gears here, I've been watching this show since it started called Little People Big World. It's a reality show that follows a family of little people as they kind of go about life on their farm in Oregon. One of the things that's always impressed me is the dad, Matt. He spent most of his childhood in a hospital. The type of dwarfism that he has required him to have surgery after surgery. And because of all the operations and his kind of dwarfism, he's pretty crippled as a man. He can't walk without canes and crutches, and he uses wheelchairs and scooters to get around. His hands and fingers turn inward, and he doesn't have much dexterity to them. There are so many people that would be so bitter if their life was the same as Matt's. Most people would say things like, Well, I can't work. I'm disabled. What contribution could I have? I'm little. I'm in so much pain, etc., etc. But what impresses me about Matt is he struggles physically with all of these things, but it's never stopped him from going after what he wants. He built this farm and this empire around the farm. He and his family used their differences and built a very successful reality show documenting their life as little people. He has spoken all around the world, and he even invented a stool to have in hotel rooms for little people. He can't use his body to do the physical work, so he relies on other people to help and the help of tractors and big machinery. He's built chapels and ships and schoolhouses and all these incredible things on the farm, and you would never guess that someone that was as crippled as he is could have the ability to do that. And this just makes me think about Remy. She has so much going on medically. She has seizures and sensory issues. She can't verbally communicate, although she is totally making strides and has made some huge improvements in that area, which is so exciting. She has these debilitating seizures almost on a weekly basis, and yet she's fearless. A couple nights ago, we went to this trampoline place for the girls to get their wiggles out. And um, this place is called Sky High. And they added a couple new obstacle courses since the last time we'd been there. And one of them is there are these poles that are steps, basically. Each step goes up till the highest pole, 
which is like two stories high and there's nothing to hold on to. And of course, you are in harness attached to a carabiner. So it's safe, but looking at this thing, it's like stairs of death. So when I first saw this, I saw this before Remy and Zach had come to this area, and I was thinking, oh my gosh, I would never, ever be able to do this, this staircase of death. But when Remy came over, Zach was like, hey, let's put a harness on her and see if she'll do it. And I was like thinking, okay, well, if she gets to the top, how will she know to jump off of it? And I don't know if she'll be able to climb down. But we were like, well, okay, let's let's try it out. And so we put the harness on her and up she went with zero fear and zero hesitation. So watching her do this incredibly difficult task, it makes me think, you know, she suffered so many seizures and and life isn't easy for her with autism and not being able to communicate. But look at the incredible gifts she has. I mean, you can't teach that because she didn't get that from me. Another thing we're surprised about is we had a parent-teacher conference yesterday, and Remy is in TK. She's in a special needs class or special day class, so it's grades from TK all the way to fifth grade. And her teacher was saying that Remy was her first TKer, and she didn't know how she was going to fit in with the rest of the class because she was so young. Her teacher said she'd never taught this age before, and she wasn't sure if Remy would keep up or how it was going to be. She told us that Remy is picking up on math and numbers and is doing amazing, and she wouldn't be surprised that if in a couple years Remy was doing multiplication. Like, what? When she said that, I, I was just shocked because... We came from a place where we didn't know if Remy was ever going to understand anything that was going on around her because she was so busy and, and full of energy and just she couldn't sit still long enough to follow anything. And to hear that she's doing math and she knows her numbers and her letters, I mean, man, she's surprising us all. Anyway, I'm going to switch gears again because I want to share a story of a person who's changed my life. And the reason why I want to share this story is because because of this person, I have a different drive in life for Remy. I have different dreams and goals. And if it wasn't for this person, I don't know that I would look at life quite like this. So a few years ago, I met a woman named Dawn. She had joined the private Facebook group of the families affected by PCDH-19, just like Remy. But her daughter, Madeline, was a teenager at the time, and Remy was about two. So they had gone through years more experience by that time than we had. I was interested in Madeline's journey because I was at a point where I wanted to talk to people on the other side of toddlerhood to get an idea of what life could be like for Remy when she gets older. So I chatted with Dawn and asked her tons of questions. I wanted to hear their journey, and it turned out that Madeline was in and out of the hospital all of her life. She had the same type of seizures that Remy had, and she also had some developmental delays too. 
They had traveled the country trying to find the right doctors and therapies and answers. Madeline had been through some of the most horrific events in her life. And yet, when I saw her pictures on Facebook, she looked happy and she had this light in her that beamed out of her. You could see this light that shined through her and this elegance to her that shouldn't be there. I learned that their family traveled the world and had been to many countries and seen so many different things. They went to Europe and Egypt and exotic places. Madeline had friends and was a dancer and participated in the Special Olympics in gymnastics. It was always so inspiring to watch Madeline through Facebook because it gave me so much hope that if Madeline could go through all that she went through, that maybe Remy could be the same. I asked Dawn how they did it, how they could live such an incredible life while at the same time dealing with all the stuff that Madeline had to go through. Dawn told me about this tradition they had called Champagne Thursdays, that their family would make a toast every Thursday with either champagne for the adults or sparkling juice for the kids, And no matter what was going on, that they would each say something that they were thankful for. Sometimes it was only, I'm thankful to make it to Thursday. And other times it was being thankful for a good grade or safe travels. Their family had found the secret to appreciate whatever they had, no matter what. One day I opened up Facebook and I was shocked to find out that a seizure had taken Madeline's life. No one saw it coming. She had so many seizures before this, and I couldn't believe that one seizure after all this time could have such an impact. I was shocked. How could this happen? How could this beautiful girl full of life, involved in so many things, having so many friends, traveling and and beating all of the odds how could it just be over the news of her passing was devastating this was my biggest fear with remy that a seizure could take her life and now it was a reality it actually could but what madeline's life did to me it didn't make me more fearful of something terrible happening to remy It had the complete opposite effect. It made me realize that no one knows how long we have. I mean, we are all temporary, right? So if a seizure could take someone's life, if we could go at any time, do we really have time to live in resistance? Or is the point of life to take whatever happens, accept it, and live the fullest life we can live? I now know that that's what it's all about. What Madeline's life has done to mine is to steer my mission and goal in a direction of thankfulness and gratitude. Her life made me realize that no matter what happens to a person, that thing, the thing that we think is the worst fate that can fall upon someone, can be the vehicle in which consciousness comes into this world. For Madeline, she fulfilled her purpose in this life. She brought light into this world that will glow forever. I now don't fear a seizure taking Remy's life. Instead, I fear not giving her the best experience I can give her. That's my new mission. If Dawn had lived in fear, 
She wouldn't have let Madeline travel. She wouldn't have let her do dance or gymnastics. She wouldn't have let her go to school. She wouldn't have let her have friends. And if Madeline passed away and Dawn never let her do any of these things, then she would have robbed Madeline of an incredible life that she had. So from that point on, I always looked at Remy and thought, you know what? The reality is that a seizure could take her life. The reality is that autism is always going to be there and that she's going to have struggles that most other people don't have. But my job isn't to protect her from the world. My job is to show her the world, to let her be the most incredible person that she can be and let her thrive the way that she wants to thrive. It's a challenge. Sometimes I just want to protect her and keep her in a bubble, but I know that that's the worst thing that I can do. So now let's talk about what happens if you don't accept your child's diagnosis. This part isn't going to be pretty, but it's the truth. I will start by sharing an observation. When I was in my 20s, we used to live on a really busy street. It was a street that got a lot of traffic. Um, There was buses and people commuting to work. It was one of the busier streets in San Jose. There was a couple bus stops semi near our house. And so I would notice the same people frequently walking to the bus stop. Every day for about five years, I saw a man walking to and from the bus stop twice a day. I have no idea where he was going, but it was the same time every day. And he would walk down the street with a stern look on his face. He seemed bitter and angry and pissed off. It was so much so that I always tried to catch him on a good day when he would crack a smile or at least have a pleasant look on his face, but it never happened. He seemed so in his head that he never even noticed me noticing him. Now, walking behind this man was another man in his late 30s. He was always about half a block or a block away from this older man, and he had Down syndrome. It was this man's son. But they never walked together. The father always made sure to be yards and yards away from his son, And every day, this man with Down syndrome was trying to catch up to his father. Now, that was a man who never accepted his son's diagnosis. That is a man who was so burdened by his son that he became bitter and angry. He never noticed anyone around him, but made sure he always kept a considerable distance from his grown son, who he must have been responsible for taking care of. If you don't accept your child's diagnosis, you will be that father. Maybe not in such a dramatic way, but you will be that way internally and your child will feel it. It's impossible for them not to. If you don't accept your children fully with or without an incurable seizure disorder or having autism, even the kind that's the nonverbal self-harm kind, Your child will grow up and always feel that they are broken and that there's something wrong with them. They will never flourish into the person that they were born to be, and it will be your fault. 
when you can accept and embrace your child fully, you realize that it's not about you. Your child's purpose isn't to fulfill your childhood fantasy of motherhood. Your child's purpose isn't to make you look good to your Facebook wall or your neighborhood picnic. Your child's purpose isn't to be all the things that you fell short on when you were a child. Your child's purpose isn't to be the little mini version of you. Your child's purpose is their own. They have their unique individual expression for this world. And the sooner you get on board with that, the sooner you can have peace. So what I want for every single one of you is to look at your situation and being a mom and ask yourself, do you really accept them for who they are? Do you really accept that they might have a disease or they might have a condition or they might have autism or epilepsy or whatever it is? As soon as you can accept them, they'll begin to flourish and you can be shocked just like I am every day about all the things that Remy's learning and Remy can do. And my mission and my prayer is for every parent who is raising a child with special needs to become everything that they are designed to become. I know that this life is not the life that you thought it would be, but if you get on board, it could be even better. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. So send me an email or a DM or find me on Instagram or Facebook. Leave a comment on my post. However you can get in touch with me, I would love to hear you. So this podcast is a two-way conversation and I am very moldable and flexible. So if you have a topic that you want me to talk about or if you have a question, I'll make it a podcast episode. I'll post shows every week and I can't wait to see where this, where this goes. I'm going to leave you here right now, but I just want to tell you, thank you so much for listening. This has been so amazing and it's an honor to share my journey and hopefully make you think about your own. And this podcast is so near and dear to my heart, and I'm grateful for your attention and your time. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I will see you next week, and I can't wait to see where this podcast goes. Have a wonderful day, and I will catch you next week. Bye.